1: Welcome inside the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm Justin Quinn here to talk with special guest Brian Kobrovski of Hoops Hype in USA Today to talk about the NBA draft from a Celtics perspective. For those of you who have been following the Rookie Wire draft coverage and mock drafts, Brian has been one of the primary people involved in creating it, along with editor Cody Taylor, and we're happy to have his insight on a critical draft for the for the Boston Celtics. Welcome, Brian.
0: How's it going? I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh... I appreciate you having me on uh, and also appreciate all the work you do for, for Celtics wire. I mean, it's a, it's a great resource. And I think that, you know, you've really taken the site and run with it. And, you know, we're, we're glad to have you in the use Today sports media group family in that sense.
1: Thanks man. I really like being here. Uh, it's a real blast to be able to do this as a job. So, The thing about this draft is no one knows what's going on. I mean, the hiatus has kind of turned everything upside down from like the draft moving, I think it's on its fourth date now. Uh, It looks like it's going to stay on the 18th of November. Um, But could you maybe talk a little bit about how it's making all of our jobs more difficult uh, because of this uncertainty and, you know, the health requirements and all that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think for for the most part, what we're seeing right now Uh, is just an incredibly different process. Uh, The reason is obvious and, you know, breaking that down is not particularly interesting, but I do think, um, you know, what could be interesting is talking about how the NBA is really, um, you know, circumnavigating this. And, uh, you know, I think what's happening right now at the combine is particularly interesting. You know, what they're doing is essentially uh, guys are coming in at different times and uh, you know, taking combine measurements uh, in, in, team proctored facilities i think it's just uh you know the nba has a representative there the athlete is there the prospect and then so too is a third party it's usually uh like their agent but i think it can be a family member as well um and they they run through the drills they take their wingspan they take their height take their weight you know all that stuff and you know eventually you get you know the combine results but then you know they're it's been spread out over a few weeks essentially uh you know guys are hopping in at different times and you know, hopping in at different locations. I know, you know, Mason Jones had to go to the Mavs facility yesterday. And, you know, Kasha Stanley is going to the uh, Lakers facility sometime this week. You know, uh, just across the board, it's uh, you know, slightly different for everybody. And then, you know, there's also uh, team workouts that are happening now as well. It's the first time that the NBA has allowed uh, teams to actually see these athletes uh, in person. So the combine, even they're not even they're not having team representatives there, it's just the league representative who's essentially the proctor. Um, and, you know, you see the scores and I think you can watch the video uh, if you're an NBA team, but you can't you can't get the results uh, or you can't uh, see it in person uh, the same way you were, you know, two in every other year. Uh, you can have uh, up to 10 visits with NBA prospects uh, in person. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why they have it at ten, um, but that also means if you want to have somebody come in twice, that counts as you know a second one of your ten. So let's say wow. you know the Celtics wanted to have uh, Isaiah Stewart come in twice, and uh, that means they only have you know eight other guys they could bring in. You know I know that we're starting to see those uh, being reported a little bit more often. I know the Cavs had Ob Toppin come through, or maybe they went to visit him in New Jersey. The the reason why we're not going to hear about you know, every team's 10 uh, is because it is a little bit of, you know, weird gamesmanship there, weird strategy, where you're kind of showing your hand. Um, If you only have 10 workouts and you use two of them on one guy, you're telegraphing very obviously that you want to use those picks uh, on that guy. So uh, I think that you'll see, you know, maybe some misdirection and some play action. And you'll also see, you know, scenarios where, there are guys that they love that they don't even that either don't get reported that they met with them uh, and you'll hear about it afterwards or they don't even bring them at all because they don't want to have uh, that, that card out there even to risk. Like if you've got a sleeper, I mean, you know, if the Suns last year uh, would have brought Kim Johnson in uh, would have been fairly obvious. Right. Um, and a little bit less surprising when they done their pick. So. Uh, you know, in previous years you've got, you know, 80, 90 guys being able to come through for workouts. This year you've got less than ten. You know, I think the other thing is you're starting to see, you know, players have their second interviews with teams. I know Tyrell Terry has had his second interview with the Phoenix Suns. I know uh, Jay Scrubb has had his second interview with the Portland Trailblazers. Um, you know, you, you hear you hear some of that. Uh, Caleb Weston, I think, has had two with the Minnesota Timberwolves. These are just kind of anecdotal facts that I do know, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, when you when you get to know these guys over over Zoom, I mean, getting that second call back also is a little bit telegraphing. but you're getting to uh, really expand your market in some ways in terms of how many guys you are actually able to chat with. Uh, I spoke to one team in the lottery uh, that's picking a lottery recently, and they said they've interviewed, I think over one hundred and fifty guys in this class already. I mean, they if there's a guy that's been in this draft process, they've they've talked to them for the most part. I mean, um, you know, you could talk to a prospect, you know, some guys like LaMelo, Tyrese Halliburton, they've only talked to a couple teams because they're trying to kind of maybe force their way into a certain situation, whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, you, you could talk to certain players, um, you know, who are like in the 30 to 45 range and they'll say, yeah, I've literally talked to 28 teams, you know, all but two have reached out. And um, that's not, that's not uncommon. Um, that's, that's been happening. And I think a lot of teams are, uh, you know, doing their due diligence, doing their homework. I mean, you you can talk to pretty much every team, you know, every team in the league, and you could talk to them about any player uh, that you could think of that's in this class, and they'll have told you straight up that you know whether or not they've talked to them, and the, the answer is usually yes. You know, so I'm able to kind of exchange notes with scouts, and they're able to give me a pretty good feedback in terms of you know certain players because they've probably talked to them themselves at this point. So my general
1: feeling about this draft is there's all kinds of potential for some radical movement based on a lot of the popular mock drafts, maybe more so than in any recent season, just because of this lack of information on the part of teams between each other. I mean, people can't zero in, as you said, on, you know, a particular target um, and, and be noticed in quite the same way, unless they're stupid. So in my mind, that means it's going to be really hard to divine, you know, for people who cover single teams like myself, um, who the Celtics, for example, might be looking at. So I was hoping you could maybe give me some examples of two people, two prospects you could see going for each of the picks, um, the four picks in the first and second round. Um, as well as maybe one prospect who you might have heard about or could see them taking that you think they should really avoid. Is that something we could do?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first – I mean, I, I can point to my mock draft even. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me that I want the Celtics to look at is Isaiah Stewart. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a—he's a—he's a, somebody who I think would really fit into that culture. Uh, I think he, he's got that Marcus Smart bulldog energy um, – you know, I think that he's really pissed off uh, that he's been sliding on mock drafts. He's really pissed off to see uh, guys that he's been beating his whole life be ranked ahead of him uh, in big boards. Uh, you know, He knows that there are certain guys who have been, uh, he's, at least in his opinion, ducking him uh, in games that are ranked ahead of him. And he was like, if I got a chance to have faced them one-on-one uh, in a game, there would not be a question as to who the better player is. I mean, he made it very clear um, in that sense that he – He's confident, man. I mean, he. I think he's. Uh, he's somebody who. Um, you know, if there were a summer league this year, I would. I would bet money on him winning the summer league MVP because he's coming in pissed off, man. He's coming in ready to play. He's coming in ready to prove some people wrong, and I think that you know that's the kind of player that would do well at the Celtics. Is you know I think that with the with a team that already has so many pieces, you know I think it's less about drafting. You know, for team need, I think obviously. You know, like every team, the Celtics have some team needs. They could probably use a better backup point guard and, uh, and you know stuff like that. But uh, I think you want to draft the best player available, and I think. Isaiah Stewart at 14, assuming he'll still be there. um, It's going to make somebody look really smart one day because, you know, he was uh, Mr. Gatorade USA, considered the best high school uh, prospect in the entire country coming into a season in Washington. I think, um, you know, the two, three zone, the Washington defense didn't do him any favors. Uh, Mm -hmm. They didn't really allow him to shoot very much uh, at the Huskies either. I think he fancies himself a little bit more of a shooter. I think that, uh, you know, Washington finished last in the Pac-12, whether or not that had to do with him directly uh, is to be determined. But, you know, that college choice uh, ended up hurting his draft stock. And I think that, you know, if there was a draft coming, you know, into uh, the season where they were coming was coming out of high school, he'd probably be considered a top 10 guy. Um, And I think that's something the Celtics have valued in the past. That's something they saw, uh, you know, bright spot in with Romeo Um, Langford. Yeah. What's that? Jalen Brown too. I mean, that's exactly right.
1: His choice of school was just terrible for his game and his stock mercifully for us ended up sliding. I have definitely come around a lot more based on your interview with him uh, and what I've, what I've seen um, over the last few, few months. I was, you know, immediately out when before i had had a chance to see much of his much of his film with the lack of shooting but like learning more about his motor learning i mean he's, he's he really reminds me of dave cowlin the way he's just going 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 all the time on the floor um and if he has a jumper then I mean, even if it's not a great jumper but even if it's like 33 34 percent from three i i would be very happy to have a, a
0: and he's and he's willing to shoot, right? I think that, you know, that, that that affects the floor spacing. If you have to guard him or at least put a man within five feet of him, that's going to go a long way. Um, and I think, you know, Isaiah Stewart might not be the best player in this class, but I think he's being misevaluated. Um, I know I was. I completely misinterpreted what he was as a player. Um, he was off my radar. I mean, you know, I think uh, draft Twitter soured on him. Um, and I think that sometimes you see guys that – looking a little bit through just the lens of uh, the stats and the output from last season. And I think mm-hmm. that that's something that I do all the time. I think as a writer, it's very helpful to do that because I can actually use evidence on point to my, you know, stuff in my writing saying, he literally shot this percent from within five feet. You can't say anything about that because it's true. You know, I think that in that sense, it's, it's very helpful, but uh, those, those, it's not nothing, you know, that, that matters. And I think, um, you know, <laughs> Like, I don't want to use this comparison because it's not how I feel, but uh, I will say this anecdotally is, you know, you look at the fire that burned in Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, and that's what pushed those guys to be the, the greatest players of their generations. Um, and I think that uh, in terms of the fire, like the most fiery prospect in this class, I've interviewed over 30 guys at this point, probably close to 40 now pushing 40. Uh, Isaiah Stewart had more fire than any of them uh, by far. Uh, a lot of great guys, a lot of confident guys, um, a lot of guys who were very humble as well, and maybe didn't want to come off that way. Uh, but in terms of his outward fire, uh, there's a lot of you know Draymond Green almost in him too. I think a lot of Marcus Smart, um, you know, I think he, he he fits that he fits that culture. I think he he fits that model of the Jalen Brown, Romeo Langford type, um, who maybe maybe picked the wrong school, maybe had a down year, uh, and I think in that sense, you know you've got a lot of reasons to, to root for him because, uh, I mean, it must feel, feel bad that that's what happened. Um, so, you know, I think that's somebody that, that I want to highlight uh, for sure. Uh, kind of the rest of it is is interesting because, um, you know, the scouts that I've talked to, people around the league, no one really expects the Celtics to roster more than one rookie next year. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see draft and stash candidates. And I think uh, in that sense, you know, what the guy that comes to mind for me is Poku. Um, the the truth of the matter with Poku is, oh, who knows, right? Like, (laughs) yeah. Uh, who knows? But, um, in terms of when we look back at drafts like this, you know, in the past or like, oh, the Anthony Bennett, draft was so bad. Like, well, Rudy Gobert was in it. And so was Giannis. You know, I think that the guy who's most similar to those guys in this class is, um, Alexis Pokusevki. Um, I think, you know, the, the playmaking and shooting skills for a seven footer, you know, is is the is the biggest home run spin you could take. Uh, you don't have to roster him next year because he's got he's under contract uh, in Greece. Um, you know, he's a Serbian-born big man, but you know, playing in uh you know actually second division Greece, not even first division. It's like I mean, a rec
1: league, basically.
0: <laughs> essentially, that's the kind of competition he's played against. But you know, his his qualifier games, his EuroBasket games. I mean, uh, the U eighteen Euro Championships. I mean, that wasn't rec league. U eighteen Euro Championships. He put up. Uh, 14.4 points, 10.6 rebounds, 5.6 assists, 5.8 blocks, and two three pointers per 36 uh, at, the, at the euro U18 euros in, in 2019. Uh, that's not that's not no competition. So 14, 10, 6, 6, and you know, six blocks. You know, what I'm saying six blocks, like that's not nothing. You know, that's yep. three and D, that's playmaking, that's all that stuff. So, uh, the there's is a team that I could, could afford to swing and, and maybe miss. I mean, I think it's Boston and Philly, really, because uh, they've got the most picks in this class. Uh, I think New Orleans, you know, has a ton of picks over the next few years, so New Orleans can count. Uh, the Thunder probably as well, but the, I don't think he really fits the Thunder model. Thunder usually value athleticism. You know, you saw that with Westbrook. you saw that with Hamadi Diallo. You know, they, they value the guys who are ath- athletic, uh, you know. Poku looks like you could probably break him over your knee if you needed to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you put on size, you've got an NBA conditioning, NBA level, uh, strength coach, NBA coaching. I think that's somebody who I think, you know, at the end of the day, if he ended up being the best prospect in this class, um, I don't want to on my face. I mean, I think he, he's one of those guys. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the uh, people that I've talked to as well have predicted the Celtics would pick uh, Leandro Balmaro um definitely you know, the, i've Ar- seen a lot of that yeah the argentinian uh guy playing in barcelona right now i mean uh six foot seven but he's got experience as a ball handler and pick and roll uh just last week he put up 10 assists in a game and you know spain's top league for for barcelona um you know i mean uh he's a draft and stash guy as well probably because he's still got several years on his deal um uh, with Barcelona, but you know, another time that the, that, that a Barcelona guy or that an Argentinian guy went second round draft and Sash uh, was Manu Ginobili. We've had mm-hmm. some success with that in the past, so um, I could I could see uh, I could see the Celtics using a pick on on Leandro Balmara. I think that he's he's somebody who you know has got uh, size and court vision, uh, secondary playmaker, probably the next level. But you know, I think there's actually a decent amount of Gordon Hayward in his game in that sense.
1: I was thinking that as well. What do you think about the other potential draft and stash guy in that general range, Theo Maladon? Is he a bad fit? I don't see him being associated. Is it just because he's not under contract for in the future as many years? And I think I said I saw somewhere he might want to come over and play immediately.
0: Yeah, I think Theo's trying to come over next year. Uh, he's not. He's not under contract at all next year. Um, okay. So I think that uh, he would probably join Killian Hayes and Danny Avdija. As guys who are trying to actually play in the NBA next season, so I think I think Theo would be a good fit. I mean, he's not. I think Theo is is a good point guard. He's gonna he's a point guard that's gonna have probably a rotation role in the NBA, and I think that is something that the Celtics you know are are looking for. That from terms of positional need, I think that Theo uh, you know could be a backup for um, you know Kemba Walker. Uh, I think that, that that's a very fair thing. I think mean, he's got great positional size at six foot five. You know, he's he's had success, uh, you know, in the in the FIBA circuits uh, in the past. I think I think the reason why you're not seeing his name as often um, is is simply simply what we just said, and that he I think he's trying to come over next year. Um, Abdoulaye andoy is probably... Welcome. yeah. I I don't see him mocked to uh, Boston as often as I think that he probably should be. Six foot seven with a seven foot two wingspan. So that's the same size as, you know, NBA forwards like Robert Cummington and Trevor Ariza. But, you know, he had a 4.7 assist to ratio, assist to uh, turnover ratio right now in his season, uh, you know, in France. Um, He he shot 44% from three point range in the French league last year. Uh, He was 40% from three uh, in the U20 Euro championships in 2018. Uh, He's somebody who, I think at the next level will probably be secondary playmaker kind of in the same way that I think Leandro Balmara uh, could be where I think he'll, he'll probably be, if they might use him more as a wing than as a tall point guard. But I think in that sense, you know, he offers depth. And I think, you know, he, he's, he's a little bit older. He, he's, uh, he's auto eligible. Unlike um, some of the early entry guys we talked about above, you know, I think he's, he's a little bit older. He qual he tested the waters of the draft uh, last season, then kind of turned that around with a, even a much better season uh he improved a ton um but you know his playmaking and his size kind of makes me wonder why he's not being talked about as a first rounder more often i think he's he's the real deal um i've i've talked to him a little bit on twitter um and he's he's you know a friendly guy um really uh really eager um i think that you know he's he's somebody who uh you know for a second round pick is exactly what you're looking for um you know i think uh I don't think he gets by the Orlando magic uh, because Orlando loves wingspan and he you know, was at six foot seven with a seven foot two wingspan. I mean, that that fits the, their exact mold of what they like uh, in future NBA talent is the longest guys possible. That's how they ended up with Mo Bamba. That's how they've ended up with uh, Jonathan Isaac. And I think that, you know, in the in the backcourt, that's how they might end up with Abdullah and Doyle in the future.
1: Now you are pretty high on a guy who makes me really nervous. I see the passing, but Nico Mannion. Forgive me if I'm screwing up his name. He just everything else about his game makes me nervous. Why? Why should I be less
0: nervous? Uh, I don't know if I'd say I'm high on Nico Mannion. Okay. Um, I, I think I have him at 30 in this mock draft that I put out uh, this month, and realistically. He was, you know, the top ten recruit coming out of high school. Uh, mm-hmm. Is a somebody who's who's done very well, uh, you know, on the AAU circuit and you know uh, for you know Team Italy, uh, you know, on the international circuit. He had the second best assist percentage among all high major freshmen last year. Uh, so that's that's why I think you should believe in him. Is you know he's got good, you know, decent positional size, um, and he has really good court vision. I think if you were to rank the guys in terms of court vision and in this class, um, he's got to be up there. You know, he's got to be up there in the top, top five, I would say. Uh, the other thing I would say too, is, you know, Nico Mannion, as a freshman, you know, great 30, 31.5 assist percentage, really good. What, what would he do if he was a senior? You know, if he had played four years in college, I mean, would he have had as a good of a career as someone like Peyton Pritchard? I mean, I went to Oregon. I like Peyton Pritchard a lot, but, I think that's why I have Nico ahead of someone like Peyton Pritchard is, um, you know, Peyton is closer to a sure thing uh, because I, you know, you see him have success year over year, over year, over year, over year, over year. But uh, I mean, I'm talking literally that long because Peyton was a four-time state champion in in Oregon uh, in high school. And then, you know, took a scene to the final four immediately uh, freshman year for the ducks. But I think, you know, if if Nico had been a senior uh, in college and he had that much time to develop come into his body, you know, play, uh, condition, you know, continue to improve. I don't think you would have seen the same level of inconsistency by his senior year. I think guys get better, um, and that's kind of the thing with him, is he's still young. Um, the biggest concern is he was 26% from three-point range against mm-hmm. top 100 competition. So uh, in the big games, he, he was not connecting from beyond the arc. Um, and then in February, uh, the entire month of February, he shot less than 40% from two. Uh, which is which is really bad for a guard. Um, so listen, I'm not I'm not gonna go to go to war for Nico Mannion um, by any stretch. Uh, I actually do think he's being a little bit underrated though, because I think um, guys that young, you know, you have to evaluate them in that in that sense. And I think that when you look at guys like Cassius Winston. Uh, who played four years and Peyton Pritchard who played four years. I mean, you do have to wonder then where's Nico Mannion going to be in four years.
1: So we didn't touch too much on guys that we really should avoid for the Celtics, but I can think of one that kind of touches on another topic I wanted to discuss, which is kind of like a soft trade-up, not one of the more aggressive trade-ups. But some people are floating the idea that instead of trying to push all the chips into the pile – instead using the latter two first to 26 and 30 to move up into the teens. And today the ringer put out one uh, such suggestion that I, I just did not like at all. And it's not necessarily because they, they, they put RJ Hampton and precious Achua um, into play with Achua drifting back a little bit further than I expected to see um, and going to the Celtics at 17. And like on one hand, I can see the value that they're looking for there. Um, and I'm not going to get into the, the potential uh, problems this will create in terms of contention. I think that's enough discussion right there uh, for the Celtics. But Precious as a prospect, um, he, he just, I can see a path to the NBA where he could be a very useful uh, player once he learns to develop at least some kind of a jump shot. And possibly even not, though I don't think he deserves a first-round pick. And that, if that's the outcome, but am I am I off base being nervous about Precious in terms of a potential Celtics prospect because he he just needs so much work and they don't really have time or space for him to do it.
0: Yeah, Precious is uh, not the guy who who I would target if I'm if I'm Boston. Um, Precious is, I think, you know, we saw this when when Wiseman. Uh, ended up leaving the program. He's a more natural five than he is a four. And in that sense, he's probably a little undersized for the NBA level. Um, I think you could be an undersized five if you've got a jump shot. Uh, I don't think he's got one of those uh, at this point in his career. Uh, you know, really good rebounder, uh, pretty versatile defender, I would say. Um, if I'm drafting for the front court in that range, I much prefer Jalen Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, more productive shot blocker and more productive three-point shooter. I, I like Jalen Smith a lot. I think he's being underrated a little bit. I I mean, I, I think that you can find a front court for front court depth. I think you could find a little bit of that in the second round even as well uh, with Xavier Tillman out of Michigan State. Um, I think that He's, you know, a perfect character guy. Um, you know, he's a father of two and married with, uh, you know, in college, you know, as a college yeah. junior in college. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of good playmaking skills for his position. Uh, one of the better playmaking guys out of the short role than um, the pick and roll. Uh, so I think that Xavier Tillman stands out. Um, honestly, I actually like Vernon Carey a little bit more and Kelly Tilly a little bit more than I like uh, Precious. Um, because, I mean, Tilly shot 40% from three all four years of college at Gonzaga. That's real, um, definitely. And, and you could also probably use him as a draft and sash guy if you really wanted to, because he could make a decent amount of money in France. I mean, he's, he's got the passport. You know, he's a French citizen. Um, so he doesn't have a contract in France, but I don't think he would mind going over there for a year or so. And that way you don't necessarily have to roster him and you could still get value at the pick um vernon carey uh is a is a willing shooter as well uh, shot 38 percent from three last year for duke um precious i think is 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 not the worst option for an nba team i think you know i could see why a team would draft him i i think i think i'm in the first round to either uh, denver or utah right now just you know teams looking for front court depth and it is, it is denver now that i think about it because uh, Denver's got a ton of potential free agents in the front court this offseason. They've got, you know, several holes that they could be looking to fill with, uh, you know, guys, you know, potentially even a free agency. You've got Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Mason, Plumlee, and Noah Bonley all set to become free agents this offseason in Denver. So that's why I have precious there is I think he could, you know, be a stopgap guy in their front court um, with, uh, I mean, dude, listen, precious had a game where he put up 22 points and 22 rebounds and four blocks. Ooh. Um, that was against Tulane, but he that did happen. Um, he had a defensive rebound percentage uh, that ranked sixth best, sixth best among all freshmen, despite being six foot nine. Um, so, I I don't I don't hate Precious's game. Um, me neither. I just think it's a bad fit. It's not for me uh, if I'm the Celtics. Uh, another guy that um, I think if we're talking about guys who I'd avoid, for me it's actually Isaiah Stewart's. Um, teammate jaden mcdaniels yes um he was a he was a top 10 recruit coming out of high school uh so in that sense he might intrigue the celtics um but gosh um just a mess yeah every highlight reel i see of
1: him like he's just crashing through people and those are the successes
0: yeah i mean his his turnover rate was bottom 25 among all high major freshmen um, he committed 4.3 fouls per 40 minutes, uh, which was bottom 20 among all high-major freshmen as well. Uh, so he's turning the ball over on offense, fouling too much on defense. His uh, his makeup isn't there right now. Um, in a in a zero or a one-on-zero workout, uh, people literally think he's the next Kevin Durant. People think he's some of the best you know some of the best talent you'll ever see. Um, but Listen, I I've, I've had scouts tell me that he will literally pout like a child if so he doesn't get his way. I mean, I Yeah, it's not necessarily uh, you know, he's young. He's a young guy, but I don't see that kind of attitude fitting well in with Boston's culture. I don't think they would tolerate that and they need to win next year and he's a he's a project. So, um I think that you know the same mentality of, oh, he's a top recruit coming out of high school who struggled in college that brought me to Isaiah Stewart is the exact reason why it would also bring you away from uh, Jaden McDaniels. I, I don't like that fit uh, at all. I don't know if people have really mocked him there at all, um, but if they have, he's just somebody who I think... Uh, I've, I've seen him
1: mocked at Boston somewhere. I can't recall where, but I have seen yeah, him. Yeah,
0: that's, that's probably that's a red flag. Uh, I have, I have McDaniels early second round uh, to Charlotte. Um, Charlotte, I think would be great for him because first of all, his older brother plays there. So he'd feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, And two, they need, they need home run swings. I mean, Charlotte's got so few uh, things going for them right now that JD McDaniels, you know, on ball skills and six foot nine, that's uh, something you want to see. I mean, he's got a ton of potential. Um, truly and sincerely, I mean, among the most potential on this class, I would say. Um, but it's better suited for a team like Charlotte, uh, where you could boom or bust, than uh, than Boston, where um, you know you you need to win next year, and you could be a potentially bad fit in the locker room.
1: So, again, with the, the trade up scenarios, I've seen some where Boston uses it's like a Carson Edwards pick or something like that to get to 10 with two of their picks. Um, or, you know, there's the more aggressive one which we can finish with. Um, but in terms of something that isn't trying to push you towards a low lottery or as close to the low lottery as you can really get, um, is there, is there anyone who you think is likely to be in like the 10 to 13 range that would actually be worth making a trade up?
0: Um, In terms of guys who I think will be there, that fit that culture. Yeah, if they really like Sadiq Bey. Mm. um, If they really want, I mean, you know, Sadiq Bey. I think Sadiq Bey should be a starter in the NBA next year. um, I'm a fan. For certain teams. Yeah, I think that, yeah, the thing with Sadiq Bey is, there are some people who do misinterpret him. He's He's not a star. Um, he's not gonna, he's not a Tyler hero, you know, he's, but he's gonna, he can step in, be a good defender for his size, six foot eight, um, and a good shooter and, um, you know, good character guy, a good fit in a locker room, you know, low usage, which I think is big for Boston. So I think he might not be able to use his full potential with Boston. That's why, that's why I wouldn't have them necessarily trading up for him. But, you know, if you want, uh, depth, you know, he's a great shooter. I think he's going to make an NBA level. Impact uh, fairly soon. Uh, Tyrell Terry is a name that's getting a lot of buzz right now. um, By me, even. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm a fan of his game. Uh, Yeah, I'm with a lottery talent. I think he's the closest thing we have to to Steph Curry in this class and to uh, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, where it's like, okay, kind of a, you know, not a small school at Stanford, but kind of not a school necessarily known for basketball. Um, But uh, really cerebral player. Um, really, uh, I mean, you know, I, I was the one that broke the news that, uh, there was an NBA team or actually several NBA teams used to administer this test, but essentially the way it works is, um, you know, they give you a basketball IQ questions all strictly about, you know, your core vision, what the right read is, what the right call is. And they said that he got the highest score ever among, on that, on that Proctor test. So. In that sense, he's really good. Uh, an incredible free throw percentage suggests that he could be a 50-40-90 guy in the NBA, um, which also suggests, you know, when you've got a free throw percentage that great, it means your 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 form is good. You know, you've got a good shooting touch, and I think his three point touch is is got to be up there uh, in terms of the best in his class. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Tyrell Terry. I interviewed him in terms of the one and done guys. I mean, God, he's got to be. You know, the most mature that, we're, that we'll find. I mean, really self aware. Um, really, really. Uh, I, I don't know if he's necessarily ready to step in and be um, a contributor. You know, a, a full contributor right away, but he could be. Uh, he's got a full body transformation. He's put on 20 pounds of muscle this offseason. Um, he looks like it's actually there, too. Uh,
1: in the, the It's pre- there. Yeah, he looked bigger, like noticeably bigger.
0: He is. Yeah, he is bigger. He looks sort of like a different guy, honestly. Um, so I, I like Tyrell Terry for them uh, in terms of guys that you could trade up for. Uh, I don't necessarily know if it's worth, you know, giving up assets, but um, Tyrell Terry does have, you know, top player in this draft type upside, um, you know, and there's not that many guys I could say that about, you know, you, the, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at with him in terms of guys you could realistically trade up for, uh, i i i would highlight him i I would put his name there and um you know desmond bain if you if you want shooting is another guy uh desmond bain's probably going to be next year's tyler hero where it's like how does he not go a little bit higher because he's just an unbelievable shooter um and has succeeded as a shooter at every level um so those are probably the guys that come to mind for me
1: and then the big push uh I've seen a lot of interest in Onyeka Okamu of USC and I can see that and I, I, I have been on the fence on whether this would be the right play before that. And I still kind of am leaning this way would be to, if say Killian Hayes uh, dropped to Detroit or New York's range and we could convince them to, to uh, swap with us. Would it be worth it, in your opinion? Is there a person that's worth pushing that many picks forward, uh, considering that Boston will be able to roster them all anyway?
0: Yeah, I mean, considering that, I guess that's fair, you know? Um, it's like, it's like, what's considered to be a a luckier draw at the lottery. Uh, Adyeka, I've interviewed him. I really like him. Um, he, I don't know if he has the makings of a. Of a franchise star, though. Um, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, a constant professional. You know, even a Paul Millsap type, I guess. Uh, but Paul Millsap's got a little better shooting touch. Um, I don't see him as a as a ever all-star type player. Um, I think that he's a little undersized for the big. Doesn't have a great shooting touch yet. I think he's got some, but he's, you know, he's a... He's got, I think, a really good um, feel for the game. And I think that um, in terms of rotation pieces for Boston, I think he would be a fantastic addition. I think he would fit in really well there. I think they would like him. I think Brad Stevens would like him. I think Danny Ange would like him. Um, But I don't see him being the kind of player that, you know, when you talk about top draft prospects, you know, in Boston's history, uh, you hear, you know, you even recently, you know, this current front office. I don't I don't think he I don't think you start saying Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Onyeka. Like I don't think it's like that. I think that he's uh you know, I think he's gonna be a consummate starter in the NBA. I don't think he's gonna be one of those guys that you bring up in the in the same sentence as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, I, think I think there's
1: that, some Bam yeah. out of bio hangover.
0: Yeah, listen, Bam out of bio, that's not fair to Onyeka. Uh he he likes it. I mean, he thinks it's cool. Um, but Bam Adebayo is a playmaker. Um, and Bam Adebayo is somebody who, uh, coming out of college, John Calipari had him work out as a guard uh, in team workouts. Not to be drafted as a guard, but to show teams that he had guard skills, and on-ball skills. Anyaka doesn't do that. Um, Anyaka might be the best uh, per- uh, uh, post-defender, best rim protector in this class. Um, really productive guy. But, you know, I think if you had switched him to be on Washington and Isaiah Stewart to be on USC, I don't know if we'd still be talking about Anyaka the same way if, you know, Anyaka was on the team that finished last in the Pac-12. Um, so, I mean, uh, he's he has been a winner um, multiple levels. I mean, he was on that same high school team as Lonzo and Lamello and L'Angelo that won uh, state, the, the national title, essentially, his freshman year. He won... Max Prepp's uh, co freshman of the year with LaMelo Ball his freshman year of high school. Uh, he t- was a two time winner of California Mister Basketball as well. Um, but I don't know if he's got the makings of a future star. And I don't know if he's got the makings of a future Bam out of bio because Bam out of bio is a little bit more of a playmaker than he is.
1: What about Killian Hayes? I'm really big on his game. I see the warts that people are pointing out, the left handed dominance. Uh, is, is he the kind of player that you might regret making such an aggressive move for uh, considering the context or is he worthwhile for such a move?
0: Uh, I like Killian Hayes. Um, I like him more on a team like Detroit and Phoenix, maybe the Knicks uh, that need a starting point guard. Um, for some reason they don't seem to want him. <laughs> it's very strange, but yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that there's uh you know, the, the lefty six foot five, you know, playmaker on ball or off ball. You know, there's there's some James Harden there. Um, I think if it, but it's all said and done. You know, I don't I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Killian Hayes was the best player in this class. Um, he's number two on my big board uh, overall. Uh, the ringer is Kevin O'Connor as him am number one. Uh, um, I like Killian Hayes quite a bit. I think that, you know, he's someone who can score in isolation or out of the pick and roll. Um, he's somebody who, I think, uh is a good shooter. You know, really good shooter. Really great transition. Pretty, pretty above average playmaker. Um, you know, has had really success on the, the FIBA level, uh, time and time again. You know, for the Euro Championships, the World Cups, stuff like that. Uh, the, I think, uh, I think that if you're going to trade up, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I think Kelly Hayes is a is a fine. Fine option to do that for. Um, the only hesitance I'd have is I think that someone like Detroit um, or New York or Phoenix, you know, seven, eight, and ten, right? Those guys, those teams, all need them more. They all need a point guard more um, than Boston certainly does. Um, so that's that's where I stand with that. Is I don't know why they would trade that pick down if I'm either of those teams because I need that point guard even more than they do. And yeah, all
1: three, well, not all three, but two of those three teams uh, have been connected to uh, proposals to trade back in the draft. I guess they think that they can find somebody equivalent or close to it and extract more value that Boston doesn't have room for at least now. There's a lot of other ways they could get rid of those picks slash roster spots. I won't dive into that. That's for another day, but before I let you go, I know you have another pod coming up soon. Um, What? Other prospects, if any, do you think might be worthwhile for this? Or if you were Danny Ainge, what would you do?
0: Why don't you? Uh, why don't you tell me what you're looking for in terms of like what uh, what skills you think Boston could use the most right now? And I could tell you, you know, who are some of those guys that fit the mold the most for me? Because you know, there's a ton of guys who I think are sleepers in this class. A Ton of guys that I've talked to who I think are being overlooked. Um, I mean, I guess like, I could just give you a couple. Um, well, let me say, let, me, let me just yeah.
1: say what my, my, for me, there's only one real need for Boston long-term and that's replacing Kemba Walker once he's gone. They've got wings. If Gordon Hayward walks in free agency, it'll suck, but they'll survive. Um, their championship winner won't be slammed shut. But if they don't have a good point guard and we don't even know if Kemba Walker is going to be a good point guard for that much longer based on some of the, the things we saw, uh, particularly in the postseason, uh, where he was basically sch- schemed out of, of being a high-level competitor, I really feel like they need to find someone who at least has potential to be a point guard that can replace him. Doesn't necessarily have to. Maybe they can use him and someone else to get there later. But at very minimum, they need to find somebody who has the potential to be a starting point guard.
0: Yeah, uh, Cassius Winston is probably probably my favorite in that in that category. Um, in terms of guys who are being really overlooked right now. Um, I think Cassius Winston <laughs> uh, is, is the real deal. Um, I think that he he's going to make somebody look really smart. He um, shot 43% from three during all four of his college seasons, or during, you know, during a combined four of his four college seasons. Um, his assist rate, 43% as well, actually, weirdly enough, uh, ranked sixth best among all college players since 2009. So that's his career assist rate. Shot forty percent from three, uh, off the dribble, off the catch, and coming off screens. Uh, really capable finisher out of the pick and roll. He's somebody who I think uh, you know is kind of being slept on because uh, he was he's a senior. Um, but I I like him a lot. Um, if for some reason Malachi Flynn starts to fall, the Celtics should probably be all over that. Um, Flynn led the nation in win shares last season. Um, you know, highest win shares guy in NCAA, you know, for comparison, the leader of win shares the year before that was Zion Williamson, 17.6 points, 4.5 rebounds, 5.1 assists per game. His box plus minus and top hundred games was the best in the NCAA. Um, he led the mountain West conference in assists, assists per game and assist percentage, but he was also not only the mountain West player of the year, but also the defensive player of the year last season. Um, So six foot two, but he, Certainly compensates uh, for his size with, you know, winning defensive player of the year in his conference and uh, best pick and roll pl- pick and roll passer in this class, in my opinion. Nice, uh, most prolific and most productive pick and roll passer. Uh, so, uh, in terms of point guards uh, that, that aren't really necessarily being discussed as often, uh, I would say Cassius Winston, Malachi Flynn. You know, a little bit lower down, you know, some of the seniors that I would look at would definitely be uh, Skylar Mays and Peyton Pritchard. And, uh, you know, I think that maybe Jalen Harris is a potential sleeper if you consider him a guard. You draft and stash, maybe, maybe Rokis, uh Rokas uh from Lithuania um, is having a really, really nice season right now. He's a younger guy, but uh, he's having a really great season as a guard in Lithuania for Zalgiris. Um, I've been very, very impressed with his game. Um, he's somebody wow. that should probably be on guys' radars, at least as a second-round draft and stash guy. So that's kind of the kind of in terms of primary ball handlers, those are the guys that come to mind, at least off top. I mean, I'm 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 big on Devon Dotson. Oh, um, me too. Me too. I think that you know Kansas had an incredible defense two years in a row, largely because of him. Um, I think that you know he played a huge role in that with you know with that off with that offense as well. I mean, they were a very productive offense, and he is a g- very capable for- floor general. Um, he's probably. Besides Kyra Lewis, the fastest player in this class, yep. um, you know, end to end speed, and I think he's ripped, man. He's he's looking a lot bigger. You know, he's uh, he's somebody I think people are being slept on. I think he'll have to, I think that realistically he'll be a first round pick. I think Flynn will be a first round pick as well. So, in terms of second round picks, guys, to be, I think I think catches Winston. Peyton Pritchard, like I said, Peyton Pritchard went to Westland High School in Portland. Um, Westland had never won a state title before he got there. Haven't won a state title since they won all four the four years he was there. He's a winner. Um, you know, everybody around Peyton Pritchard always says that he's uh, he's the guy who you know probably has the best work ethic, right, in this class in terms of guys who just pushed himself to be better and better and better year after year. So that comes to mind. Sweet.
1: Before I let you go, is there anything that you're working on that you want to
0: plug? Yeah, man, listen to or uh, check out Celtics Wire. You know, check out all the, uh, all the USA Today sports media group sites. You know, Rookie Wire is where you can find my big boards and my mock drafts. Hoop Type is where you can find my interviews with um, all of the prospects that I've spoken to. I've got 19 published so far, and, you know, that includes plenty of the guys that we've talked about on this pod. Um, On you know, guy, I've interviewed, Tyrell Harry I've interviewed, Isaiah Stewart, Cassius Winston. Those are, those are some names that, that I've talked to so far. And then I've got 18 more coming between now and the draft. Uh, so Kyra Lewis, Aaron Smith, Sadiq Bey, uh, Xavier Tillman, Devin Dotson, uh, Peyton Pritchard, you know, guys that we talked about as well. Um, those are all coming out at some point. If you want to check out one interview in particular, uh, this guy is sort of a fringe draft prospect. Somebody that I like a lot though, Travel and Queen out of New Mexico State. He specifically mentioned wanting to play for the Celtics and, you know, being a lifelong Celtics fan in my interviews. So for Celtics perspective, I would I would check out the the Travel and Queen interview that I did. Um, if you type in Travel and Queen, uh Hoopsipe. Um, he talks about, you know, being homeless and playing in junior college and being kicked out of school and all sorts of crazy stories like that. Um, that was probably the most insightful interview that I did in terms of someone's uh, persona. Um, very Jimmy. he, uh, he was sounding. very helpful in that.
1: What's that? Very Jimmy Butler sounding.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. He definitely, uh, he definitely sees that comparison as well, and I think that uh, he's probably uh, <laughs> the closest thing we got to Jimmy Butler in this class, whatever that might mean.
1: All right. Well, you can find the pod on most podcatcher apps. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. If you don't like something, or have a suggestion. Just let us know with a comment on Twitter with the hashtag CLPOD. We're always trying to bring you the deepest dives to the Celtics coverage, and hopefully today we accomplish that. Thanks, y'all. Take care.